The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Omicron is squeezing a supply chain already under pressure. How we're faring heading into 2022 with Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. If you look at the big picture, it's extraordinary what has been done in order to make sure if you run out for some last minute shopping, you're going to see the shelves are stocked. And the FDA authorizes the first COVID pill. CNBC's Meg Terrell has the latest. Prescribers are going to have to make tough decisions because this drug is going to be essentially in shortage. But no supply chain issues at the North Pole. U.S. Air Force Captain Sable Brown, she's got her eye on Santa. Our satellites can watch the infrared signature from Rudolph's red nose as he flies around the world. So pop open the bubbly if you can find it. Don't let the supply chain kill your festive buzz. Food and Wine's Ray Isle has some tips. Champagne shortage or not. If you can find a bottle of Bollinger RD, which is up with the Dom Perignon and Cristal zone, that's like the splurge boat for me this holiday. Talk about a splurge, but maybe it's worth it. It's also James Bond's favorite champagne. It's Thursday, December 23rd, 2021. I think it is the eve of, of, of Christmas Eve. It's the eve of Christmas Eve, right. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. It's like the eve to Christmas Eve is where we really are at this point. A couple of headlines to bring you right now. Let's tell you what's happening. The Supreme Court's going to be taking up President Biden's vaccine mandate for large private employers. Special hearing has been set for January 7th to determine if the mandate can be enforced. The mandate requires businesses to ensure that workers are either vaccinated or tested weekly. And two drug makers out with some hopeful vaccine-related news. AstraZeneca saying that a booster shot using its COVID vaccine is effective against the Omicron variant. And Novavax saying its vaccine demonstrated strong immune responses against Omicron as well. And Spider-Man, no way home. Poised to do something no movie has done since before the pandemic hit a billion dollars in global ticket sales. That's expected to happen this weekend. Now, eight movies hit that mark in 2019, but none did that in 2020 with movie theaters, as we all know, closed for so much of the year. Joe, there is definitely, Andrew, an appeal to being able to to do that um, between buildings and stuff, you know, or, or from the top of a roof or that that's uh, that, <laughs> don't you think that just being able to fly, though, onto itself There's is something cooler, cooler than having taxi use something webs? cooler about just shooting it. it no. And I was also going to say you said it's kind of like the eve of Christmas Eve. I, I think it is the eve of, like of, of Christmas Eve. It is. And have it's you, the eve of Christmas Eve. Have you right. guys that's noticed that normally Christmas is during the week or many times, not, you know, yep. five out of seven times. Um, and we get Christmas off, but not yep. New Year's Eve or not Christmas Eve off. So this is like a we get Christmas right. Eve. This is a plus. Yeah. The Omicron variant putting pressure on an already stressed supply chain. Earlier this week, President Biden met with CEOs, including FedEx's Fred Smith, to talk about progress that's been made to try to avert a holiday crisis. Joining us right now 
with details of the meeting uh, to share where things stand right now. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Uh, Mr. Secretary, it's great to see you. Happy holidays. Um, we're hoping it's going to be a happy holidays and, and things seem to be a, moving apace, though clearly the supply chain issues remain. And I'm curious what what the readout of this meeting uh, meant to you and what, what the lesson was. Well, it was a really good conversation with the president yesterday with leaders from the private sector and uh, really two themes. Uh, one is uh, the extraordinary achievements to date and the second is the work we still have to do. Uh, let me uh, dwell on the first for a minute because, uh, you know, if you were looking at the headlines a couple of months ago, uh, you know, they were saying every shelf would be empty, Christmas was ruined, basically canceled, and you look at what's actually happened, shelves are stocked. Uh, you look at Walmart, Target, they're talking about having more inventory now than they did a year ago. Uh, uh, ports uh, on the West Coast, for example, the ones we've been so concerned about, moving a record number of goods, about 15% more than their all-time high. National retail Federation predicting the best year ever for holiday sales. So a lot has gone right thanks to uh, the leadership of the administration, thanks to the leadership in the private sector that they got creative about how to get things done. And of course, maybe most importantly of all, thanks to a lot of essential workers who you know, never had the option of, of coming into work by Zoom, getting it done, whether it's at the ports or the truck drivers on the road or, or in the warehouses, uh, making it possible. That's not to say we haven't had issues uh, in terms of pressure on prices, in terms of uh, uh, shipping uh, timing, but, but if you look at the big picture, it's extraordinary what has been done in order to make sure that, that we've had the, the holiday season we have right now, where if you run out for some last minute shopping, you're going to see uh, the shelves are stocked. Now, having said that, uh, this was not a mission accomplished moment because we've got a lot of work to do. Matter of fact, today, my department is announcing Port Infrastructure Development Plan uh, Program grants, about $240 million going to uh, everywhere from uh, Long Beach, one of the biggest ports in the country, about $50 million headed there to support capacity expansion uh, to places you don't think about a lot, like uh, the Ohio River, Tell City, Indiana, where a crane uh, can be installed that's going to help move traffic off of barges uh, for about $1.5 million, and everything in between. Uh, that normally, we wouldn't uh, announce something this close to Christmas, but the president had a very specific port action plan saying, you know, by this uh, point in time, we need to get more of those dollars out the door. So we did that, and we're already getting next year's grants ready uh, to announce probably in February, uh, the next round uh, opening applications. Just And I'm just talking about one program, the port program, right. one of many programs we're going to have more dollars in, thanks to the president's bipartisan infrastructure law. So lots more work to do, uh, but a, a lot to, to be proud of as we take stock let, of how we got here. Let, let's, let's talk about the work that needs to be done, uh, Mr. Secretary, because one of the things that we are going to be confronting over the next several months, it appears, is Omicron and what that's gonna to do to potentially labor shortages. Um, I wanted to ask you specifically about what Ed Bastian, who's the CEO of Delta has recently said, uh, which is that he has suggested that there be a uh, new, some new thinking around quarantine rules and the length of quarantine rules, in part because he's worried about a labor supply shortage. Uh, I believe he, he's thinking about that in the transportation sector in terms of airplanes. I imagine it will also impact all sorts of businesses, including at the ports and the like. Would you advocate for a rethink of quarantine rules? 
Well, we're always going to take our cue from the CDC and start with what uh, the, the public health leadership uh, thinks is uh, best for keeping the American people safe. But, you know, certainly we need to continually reevaluate what we do in every part of our response to the pandemic because the facts on the ground are changing uh, in, in terms of there being you know, vaccines that, that we mostly didn't have a year ago, uh, therapies emerging, uh, and also uh, our knowledge of things changing. Uh, so between, uh, you know, what, what's going on with the variants, what's going on with, with treatments, testing, and vaccinations, and uh, what, what's going on in terms of our understanding of what mitigations are most effective, we should continually be revis revisiting what we do. And, and that's exactly what happens. Uh, you know, in this administration, I sit on the COVID task force, uh, where we're always looking at where we are compared to where we were, and how to make sure the American people are safe. Now, some things are clear and they're not changing. And, and maybe the biggest among them is that we need to get as many people vaccinated as possible. And that includes getting those boosters so that people have maximum protection, no matter what curveball is coming next. I know, I, I know you, you may defer to the CDC, but would you be advocating to change the definition of fully vaccinated? So again, I'm, I'm not going to get ahead of the CDC on that, but you know, we know that, that uh, boosters uh, create a dramatically higher level of protection. I'm very glad to have, to have gotten mine, encouraging all of my loved ones to do the same. And it's a big part of how we fight this pandemic. In terms of the, the nearly quarter billion, a billion dollars that's going out the door to, to the ports, how quickly is that money going to be spent? And when we think about the inflationary aspects of some of the supply chain issues we're seeing, you know, what kind of impact do you think that can have in what kind of time frame? So it really varies based on what's going on in an individual port. But what I'll tell you is uh, often ports can move very quickly. Uh, for example, last week I was in Savannah, Georgia, our fourth busiest container port, and by many measures are most significant for things like agricultural exports. They got creative and created uh, uh, what are best described as pop-up inland container yards. So the idea here is, you know, there's just no more space at the port itself for these containers piling up. Uh, so you get them out to a different site. Sometimes uh, more than 100 miles inland, and you sort them out there. You move them onto rail uh, and truck chassis there. It's, it's one of those ideas that sounds very simple, like a child would think of, but actually incredibly uh, dynamic and uh, complex to pull off. They were able to do it in a matter of months after conversations with the uh, supply chain task force and, and the work that, that we were trying to drive out of the administration to do that kind of problem solving. And they were able to use uh, repurposed federal dollars to do it. So uh, we're about quick solutions where we can find them. But let's be clear, the point of this bill is to get America ready for the decade and decades ahead and create jobs across the decade and decades ahead. And we're not going to uh, rush things uh, at the expense of doing them right. Uh, we're going to look at short term and long term side by side every day. And then finally, Mr. Secretary, the Build Back Better plan, which seems to have uh, obviously been put on pause, at least for now, without Joe Manchin's support. If you were to look into a crystal ball for early 22, what parts of it do you think actually have a chance of getting across the finish line? Do you think it does? Yeah, I, I've been rooting around the uh, office of the secretary ever since I moved into it looking for that crystal ball. And maybe it's in a closet somewhere, but I still can't find it. W what I know is this. The, the elements of that package are both needed and popular. And I think that's especially true when it comes to having a stronger economy, right? You, you saw how the, the, the rating agencies and, and a lot of the banks uh, reduced their expectations for our economic growth when there was news of this setback in terms of the, the progress of the bill. Uh, because you know, the, the economy is telling us, the economy itself in its way, is telling us that, that this bill is good for the economy. You add to that the fact that uh, with, with families seeing pressure on prices, this could lower the cost of insulin, 
lower the cost of uh, prescription drugs, lower the cost of, of housing and childcare. One thing I'm excited about, of course, is a chance to lower the cost of electric vehicles. I mean, you look at, uh, uh, you know, uh, the pickup truck the president was driving when he visited are that you F-150 plant. Mr. Secretary, um, we got to run yeah. in a second, but are, were you surprised the stock market the, s since that announcement has not fallen dramatically? There, you know, to, the, to the extent that the market is speaking, and I know that the market is distinct from the real economy, let's stipulate that, but oftentimes these things do have an impact on the market, and the market in a, in a almost maybe perverse way to the way you might think about it has has responded you know i i want to st stop short talking about crystal balls of, of kind of imputing things to the market but i guess if i were going to do that i would say it's a sign that the economy and the market uh share my optimism that we're actually going to get this done in the new year and that that'll be good for the economy and for families mr secretary uh want to wish you a happy holidays and we look forward to seeing you in the new year crystal ball or not thanks Still to come on Squawk Pod, encouraging news about a COVID treatment pill from our Meg Terrell. The results showed it could reduce the risk of hospitalization or death by 89%, but supply is going to be limited at least initially. And then some Christmas cheer from the North Pole by way of NORAD. U.S. Air Force Captain Sable Brown joins us. When we get children that call in the op center, uh, we give them all the answers about how NORAD tracks Santa every year. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Joe Kernan. New studies uh, suggest Omicron has a lower hospitalization uh, risk than other variants. Meanwhile, uh, the FDA has cleared Pfizer's COVID uh, treatment pill. Meg Terrell uh, joins us now with more on the COVID front. Hi, Meg. Hey, Joe. So, of course, it's good news. Those studies from both South Africa and Scotland showed a much lower hospitalization rate with Omicron compared with other variants. But Dr. Fauci warned yesterday that the sheer number of people who are getting this variant could sort of obviate that effect. I would point out that even if you have a diminution in severity, if you have a much larger number of individual cases, the fact that you have so many more cases might actually obviate the effect of it being less severe. And we got some good news yesterday in the Pfizer pill that was cleared by the FDA. Uh, it was cleared for high-risk adults and kids 12 and older who weigh at least 88 pounds who have a, a high risk factor for severe COVID. Uh, this is a drug that has to be taken within five days of symptoms, and patients will take three pills twice a day for five days. The results showed it could reduce the risk of hospitalization or death by 89%. 
but supply is going to be limited at least initially. Uh, the White House saying yesterday 265,000 treatment courses expected uh, to the U.S. by the end of January. The full shipment of the order of 10 million courses expected by late summer. But because of this, we talked with a pharmacist yesterday, Dr. Michael Gagno from the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, who pointed out prescribers are going to have to make tough decisions because this drug is going to be essentially in shortage about which patients are highest risk and should get it. Here's what he told us. It's really going to be, again, up to that prescriber discretion to look at the patient, their age, their body mass index, their comorbidities, and say, this person is highest priority versus this person who's not. And that may take the vaccination status into account. So, of course, that's a major question, um, especially with Omicron uh, being able to evade some of the protections of the vaccines. But we also know they do provide great protection against severe disease. Uh, meanwhile, that is not the only drug in what the White House is calling its medicine cabinet. Um, we are potentially expecting EUA for Merck's pill, Molnupiravir. And if that's cleared, that's going to be a lot more supply. Three million courses in January. That one doesn't work quite as well. So Pfizer's would likely be preferred. Uh, but the supply is going to be an issue. Um, also, the AstraZeneca preventive antibody, new data this morning confirming it holds up against Omicron. There will be 500,000 courses of that in January, and the only treatment antibody drug from Veer and GlaxoSmithKline, which holds up against this variant, 300,000 courses. So guys, some of that medicine cabinet got wiped out in the Regeneron and Lilly drugs, but they're building it back up. Guys? Meg, we were, we were talking a little bit earlier about this idea of whether you could get the uh, Defense Production Act in place, and that could actually create a lot more volume of the Pfizer drug. As you just said, 10 million doses by the summer, 10 million doses by the summer may be too late. When we talked to uh, Scott Gottlieb about this, he seemed to suggest there was still a six month lag in terms of if you, even if you started right now, it would take six months to really be able to ramp properly. The question is, is there, if you start now, it may be that by the time of the summer, you could get to 100 million if you really went to it. Is there a resistance by Pfizer to do that? Well, certainly companies never like when the Defense Production Act is used to force them to do something. Sometimes it can be beneficial to them because it puts them in the front of the line for materials and supplies. We saw that with the vaccines. It was helpful to the companies if they were on that end, but it also has knockdown effects. Other drugs get pushed to the side. So uh, it's something that people in the industry hope is used very precisely. Um, in terms of the supply, though, Pfizer did increase its full-year forecast for supply for the world to 120 million courses yesterday, up from 80 million. The U.S. has only ordered 10 million at this point. Could we see them increase that? And when could more get delivered is a big question. But Dr. Fauci did talk yesterday about how complicated this drug is to manufacture and that it does have that time of six to eight months for the active ingredient. And then finally, there's an incentive question, which you just raised, which is those that are unvaccinated are almost have a, I don't want to say they have a greater incentive, but in some ways they will probably have access to this drug before those who are vaccinated. It's sort of the anti-incentive to get vaccinated. Um, I don't know if you read yesterday, Rex Chapman on, online had made this statement that got a lot of people very upset, which was that he said basically that unvaccinated people should not be taken care of. I don't think anybody agrees with that, but how do you change that incentive structure in this case? Yeah, it's a real problem. It's an ethical question, but something we saw with the antibody drugs when they were in short supply, too. If you got to prioritize the highest risk folks, that's folks who don't have the vaccine. So we'll have to see how that plays out in these treatment guidelines. Complicated stuff. Meg, thank you. Appreciate it. 
We have something of a holiday tradition on Squawk Box, checking in annually with the top-secret military mission at NORAD, the North American Aerospace Defense Command, which fields thousands of tips and questions from the public about a certain flying object every December 24th. Santa was spotted over Peterson Air Force Base, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Let's get back to Becky. The recent boom in space tourism has the skies more crowded than ever, but that isn't deterring our next guest and her team from their mission of tracking Santa's voyage around the world on Christmas Eve. Let's welcome this morning U.S. Air Force Captain Sable Brown, who is a public affairs officer at the North American Aerospace Defense Command, which is otherwise known as NORAD. She's also a member of the NORAD Track Santa team. This, by the way, is the 66th year that NORAD's going to be tracking Santa's global journey. And, and Captain, thank you for being with us today. I would imagine that this job has gotten a lot more difficult over those 66 years because there's so much more stuff in the air, including all of the stuff that's in space right now. How, how are you guys doing this? How are you handling it? Well, thank you for having me, Becky. And uh, yes, the job of watching the United States and Canada's skies is a little bit tougher, but we're able to keep up with it by working with our partners and allies around the world. And in regards to tracking Santa, it takes a lot of contributors and a lot of volunteers to get that job done, and they are happy to do it every year. So how do you guys do this? Let's track through all the technology that you have to actually watch Santa as he goes around the globe, because this is something little kids have been so curious about for forever. Right. And when we get children that call in the ops center, uh, we give them all the answers about how NORAD tracks Santa every year. And it starts when he makes his first movements out of the North Pole. The radar in the northern Canadian and northern Alaskan Arctic area track him with those North Warning satellites. And then as he moves west across the international dateline, our satellites can watch the infrared signature from Rudolph's red nose as he flies around the world. And when he makes it back to Canada and the United States, our fighter escort pilots make sure to give him a wave and safely escort him through North American airspace. And then he heads back home to the North Pole to get ready for next year. I know we can all follow along by watching on the Internet, on the website. Um, how, how many people actually call into the line still? Back in 2019, we had over 150,000 calls. The phone never stops <laughs> ringing. What, what, what do the kids say when they call in? And um, how did this whole thing start, by the way? Well, it started back in 1955 when there was a misprinted ad for a department store saying that children can call Santa at a certain phone number. But the misprint actually led to the CONAD, back then it was Continental Air Defense Command, the call center there, a red phone that Colonel Harry Schaup famously picked up and he went along with the call and so did the rest of his crew all night. And that's how the tradition of NORAD Track Santa got started. Well, it's a great tradition, and we appreciate you all keeping it up this year. We'll be watching, and uh, we know you all will, too, as Santa takes off on Christmas Eve. Captain Brown, thank you so much for joining us, and, and good luck, luck to you and your staff with handling all these calls this year. Thank you, and happy holidays, and hope to see you tracking Santa with us. Merry Christmas. We will be. <laughs> yes. I haven't seen Christmas Vacation, uh, the movie this year. That's, a, that's an annual. That might be my favorite, I think, just because of... Uh, of Cousin Eddie, because of Randy Quaid, but <laughs> you remember where they're, they're at the table and, and you know, uh, Chevy, uh, Chevy uh, Clark Griswold says, you know, Santa's been spotted coming across the border up there. And <laughs> yes. Cousin Eddie looks at him and just goes, are you serious, Clark? And he's like, 
But uh, I, there's about 100 lines uh, from, from that movie that, uh, that I use. I'll think of some of the other ones I've been using. Oh, yeah, Jelly of the Month Club. Jelly of the Month Club, giving out the, you know, didn't get a bonus, already broke ground. Yeah. Gift that keeps going, giving every year, uh, every week, every month. Next on Squawk Pod, don't let champagne problems ruin your holiday. Bubbly shortages hitting liquor stores, but Food & Wine's Ray Isle says there are plenty of options if you know where to look. People love rosé. Rosé champagnes have a little more body and a little more power to them. They can be great as a dinnertime wine. A roast chicken and a rosé champagne is fantastic. It's been quite a 2021, so let's raise a glass after this. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to, and maybe drinking with, Squawk Pod, and our team, Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Two, one, cure, please. Here's Becky. Sparkling wine experienced increased demand during the pandemic, and now a shortage of bubbly in the global market could impact holiday celebrations. Ray Isle is Food & Wine Executive Wine Editor, and he's been looking into the champagne shortage of 2021 for all of us. Ray, this sounds like such rich people problems. Really? There's a shortage? (laughs) There there actually is a shortage of champagne. It's it's kind of crazy. It's like... With the worst thing to run out of during the holiday season, <laughs> but it's not—it's not so short that you're not going to be able to find anything with bubbles. I mean, there, there's definitely there's there's bubbly wine out there. Some of it is champagne, some of it is, is other options. But um, yeah, it's been it's it's kind of crazy. It's it, it you know you hear the news and you think, well, this can't actually be true. They, how can they how can they run out of champagne? But the combination of um, of uh, basically, a lot of it goes back to COVID, and then it goes back to agriculture at the same time. Um, the The demand for champagne was very low at the start of of COVID, and and what's odd is that the champagne regulatory body can can control how much the farmers harvest in champagne, um, and so they cut yields in the region, and the demand shot through the roof, um, which caught them a little shorthanded. And they'd also had a number it of sounds of like the oil problem. Were... <laughs> it's it's somewhat like right? the oil it's problem. Like the yeah. same thing that happened and, in the oil problems. Well, well, and and in fact, you're going to see you actually may see prices rise for champagne. <laughs> so, you know, it's a, I mean, it's a your I, choice. I hate being... to say it, these champagne champagne problems out there. I mean, we we really mock things when we're calling them champagne problems. But it, in this situation, who's being affected the most? Where where who, where are they getting hit the hardest? 
Well, the, what what you're finding, what I'm finding is that the where you're seeing shortages are of the big names of the most popular brands like Buclico and things like that, because that's what people sort of autopilot go for. And so those are out of stock. Like if I was looking on wine.com, which is the biggest online retailer certainly that I know of um, the other day, and they're out of, they were out of Clico Yellow Label. They were out of Dom Perignon, um, <laughs> variety of other things. But at the same time, like I, I checked, you know, the, the Stu Leonard's and Yonkers and, and they have Clico Yellow Label. So it's, it's very hit or miss <laughs> at the same time. Um, but, it, but, you know, then there are brands that are, are not um, the super well-known and they're out there and they're, and they make some wonderful wine. So you have to be a little adaptable if you're, if you're hunting for champagne this season. You know, this is, I find it kind of funny that they're, they're running out of champagne of all the things we've run out of. I mean, I couldn't find cream cheese this morning to make cream cheese cookies, but this is a big deal for places like restaurants, which have already been struggling so much. What, what do they do about this? They just move to the backups well, too? I think they move to the backups too. They, they, they pivot to, you know, um, to a brand that's that's known to some degree, but maybe not the, the the one that everybody goes for. And the nice thing about restaurants is that you you actually have some coming to the table who can who can say, by the way, <laughs> have you ever had this? And um, and, and give an option. And similarly in retail, you know, if you're in a in a wine store where there's a staff, they can they can tell you about the the alternatives. And and there are you know there are alternatives to champagne that are great sparkling wines that are out there i mean cava is is one of them um from spain and, and in you know fact, funny that's what i have in my hand i'm going to i'm going to show you because <laughs> yeah. this is the news you can use segment the guys were just laughing at me because i tried to open this in the break and i spilled it everywhere i've never opened champagne before but this is the cava and it's this a really pretty cava. bottle it's yeah, segura beautis that's what it looks um, like from spain and and Cava's actually historically, Cava got its first boom in popularity during World War One when when there was no champagne available because the French were, you know, at war. So there's there's a historical precedent for this. But I love this. Um, you know, Segura Butas is a great brand. This, you know, a magnum of this wine, which is a, a double sized bottle, is is you know sixty bucks, which is for a party is not bad if anybody's having a party this year. Um, and Ray, and it's got that. Ray, yeah, Ray, I can confirm that about the Vouv. Coco, um, because oh, really? I, yeah, my wife wanted to, to give someone a gift, and that's a go-to brand. Uh, it, you know, you know what it goes back all the way back to. You remember uh, the Germans wore gray, you wore blue. I remember we'll always have Paris. I mean, that that was the yeah. champagne that Bogie um, opened during uh, absolutely during uh, Casablanca was Vuv Coco, and it, and. Um, my wife just thought it was a couple. It was a place where she was, and she's like, "Do you believe that? They, I, they couldn't get any." Uh, I told her just buy some Moet or something. Isn't it pretty comparable if you get a, a, a Moet and, and, and it's for a good? It's, it's it's comparable, and in fact, it's owned by the same company. Um, LVMH owns both brands. Is that brands. available? Um, Is that around? And Moet's a little tricky to find right now too. Is it really? Um, yeah, you can. You know, I, I you can find some of those smaller brands like Paul Roger, like Alfred Gratien, which we have here um, today. This is a, how, a bottle how, of Alfred. How about the Dom Gratien versus uh, the Dom versus Cristal uh, controversy. Can can what, what's the difference? I can't tell. Uh, I have some here too. Um, and, and in the morning, you know, if mixed with orange juice, you only need one sip to to feel it. This is this is Joe, not what do you, mixed with what do you have juice. there though? Um, but uh, yeah. uh, what's the difference? To, is, is Dom or Cristal uh, better? It, it, I don't understand. That, that is an, that is a debate that's been going on for decades, and you know they're both very high. They're both what called tête de cuvée champagnes, the top of the cuvée. And Cristal 
is a little more dominant. Champagne typically is a blend of Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. Champ- Cristal leans towards Chardonnay. Dom is a little less. So Cristal's a little leaner. Dom is a little richer. Um, but they're both they're both spectacular champagnes if you can find them right now. Um, and and they actually benefit from aging too. That's what people don't realize. Champagne can be aged in a cellar. And, I didn't. And, uh, I didn't know how glad I was going to be you were on. And now I just thought of something else. So so <laughs> Becky, I, I and Andrew, I have migrated okay people used to make fun of me because i would drink chardonnay i now i do like red more if you if you had a yes. fa- if you had a faust ray a, a, a have, Cam- i have had faust it's Absolutely. amazing i bought i bought it's, it's, had everything it, it's like it, what's that <laughs> what <laughs> yo what do you have, do you have a rosé there though job. a rosé for for manly men i think is a good thing <laughs> this is the i think this so. is the Right? With, with you, your brie, <laughs> with your brie and your croissant, it's it's great. It's great, you know, great. I think it's, like, I great think bre- it's a great, great breakfast. And then, and then, yeah. And the other thing is also, um, it, it's rosé is great. People love rosé. Rosé champagnes have a little more body and a little more um, kind of power to them. They can be great as a um, dinner time wine. And um, people think of champagne as a as a celebration toast wine, but they're actually terrific with main course uh, roast chicken and a rosé champagne's fantastic alfred grazian is one of these producers that's a little bit under the radar so they haven't sold I out got one and more so you can find them and then yeah and well, then I, I, go ahead Ray. yeah and then i have one oh. more because i'm really going to impress you with this last one because i've only had it <laughs> twice but i i think it might really be if you if you, if you had verite la joie have you had, had tried that right i i have had verite la joie you um, see what i'm saying i have I, I, I don't I don't often buy it myself. No, it's no. four hundred bucks a bottle. No. Uh, someone had to, someone had to pour a glass for me. It's like, yeah, that yeah. was yeah, four hundred a bottle. It is a brilliant wine though, and actually in that zone, if we, if you can find a bottle of Bollinger RD, which is up with the Dom Perignon and Cristal zone, um, it is a spectacular bottle of wine. It's it's it is out there, um, and okay, I, that's like the splurge vote for me um this holiday God, who knew? it's also the fa- it's also james bond's favorite champagne so it is? you know you got that going too yeah, absolutely who knew and we were such athletes jeez well, this is like been the best segment that. this has been the most participated <laughs> in segment we've had in, in a while it's about <laughs> booze Ever. yeah yeah i like that Here's to I, you. Like to people, i'm covered at six in the morning I'm literally sitting in champagne because i can't <laughs> I saw open you do that i love i love joe watched me yeah you got to put a towel over the thing joe are you not Huh? Are Clearly. you not sipping this at all? I mean, I, you do know, you have any there? If you drink too Come early on. in the day, it just ruins the entire. You'll see. You'll see, Andrew. Oh no! When you get over, do you when not you're remember, over 40. Joe? When you're over Joe, forty, do you, you can't remember. A, a, yeah, about ten years ago, we had a beer segment, and it was like six thirty in the morning. I had not eaten anything, and I think I chugged the full beer. I remember. Maybe even two of them. <laughs> I remember. And. <laughs> You it, know what the happened? teleprompter was tough. Andrew, your the teleprompter, teleprompter was your tough. teleprompter reading was perfect after that. That was what <laughs> was weird. Better. That was what was weird. <laughs> anyway, we all have a glass of champagne in our hands. We have to do a cheers, cheers and to a you. toast. Cheers to you. Absolutely. Here's, to, here's coming up to the holidays. holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. Yes. And Ray, Happy thank holidays, you very everybody. much. Good. Good. Better come 2022. Soon, okay? 2022 Throw better. You better drink to that or it's not going to come true. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Thanks, Ray. And that's it for Squawk Pod on this Christmas Eve Eve. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. The team behind the podcast, me, Cameron, Caroline, John, Zach, Claire, all the voices that you hear, our fellow Squawk producers, and the crew are off tomorrow for the holiday. 
You enjoy the long weekend. Enjoy the break. We will meet you right back here, right in your podcast feed on Monday. Merry Christmas. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois.